The less your business spends, the more margin you keep. But today, everything costs more. So smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one proven platform, helping you reduce IT costs, maintenance costs, and manual errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move to NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com slash earnings right now. NetSuite.com slash earnings. You know, it can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. Invisible struggles like stress and burnout, caregiving for a loved one, or being misunderstood. But insight, awareness, and empathy will help us better see the issues they're dealing with. And that can make us and our companies healthier, too. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Live from the Bloomberg Interactive Workers Studios, this is Bloomberg Daybreak for Wednesday, December 14th, 2022. Coming up this hour. The Fed makes its final policy decision of the year with a 50 basis point hike expected. UK inflation dips from a 41-year high ahead of tomorrow's Bank of England decision. FTX co-founder Sam Bankman-Fried plans to fight extradition to the U.S. And the U.S. plans to add more than 30 Chinese companies to its trade blacklist. I'm Amy Morris. A three-alarm fire at a police evidence warehouse could burn for days. And our area is buckling up for more winter weather this week. I'm John Stashauer in sports. Another big baseball free agent signing. The Islanders and Devils both lost. The World Cup semifinals end today. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak. On Bloomberg 1130 New York. Bloomberg 991 Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 1061 Boston. Bloomberg 960 San Francisco. Sirius XM 119. And around the world on BloombergRadio.com and via the Bloomberg Business App. Good morning. I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow. And U.S. stock index futures are little changed this morning. It is 501 on Wall Street, and we check the markets all day long here at Bloomberg Radio. Again, S&P futures are little changed. So are Dow and NASDAQ futures. The DAX in Germany lower down six-tenths of a percent. The 10-year Treasury up 3.30 seconds, yield 3.48%. And the yield on the two-year, 4.18%. Nathan. Karen, it is a big week for critical economic events, and it continues today with the Federal Reserve's final policy decision of 2022. Let's get our coverage started with a preview now from Bloomberg Economics correspondent Michael McKee. Fed officials are going to raise the nation's benchmark lending rate by half a percentage point today. The question is, what will they do next? After two consecutive soft CPI reports, investors are lowering their bets on how high the Fed goes and for how long. That puts the focus on policymakers' new economic and interest rate forecasts and the so-called dot plot that shows where they think rates will need to be at the end of next year. In September, the median dot was at 4.6 percent. Markets now see them at 4.3 percent after rate cuts beginning in July. Investors will also focus on how Chair Jay Powell sees the data and the outlook. Will he again warn against overconfidence on Wall Street? Michael McKee, Bloomberg Daybreak. 
All right, Mike, thank you. Well, after today, the Fed's next steps depend on the path of economic data. So says influential economist and Stanford University professor John Taylor. If it's 50 basis points uh, at, at this decision, then don't lead on as 25 or, or 75 or another 50. We, it depends. You know, the idea of monetary policy is it depends on what's happening to inflation, what's happening to the real economy. We hope we don't have another downturn. And, and we can avoid that if, in fact, the Fed says, look, if inflation picks up, we will take action. Stanford professor John Taylor made the comments in an interview with Bloomberg's Kathleen Hayes. Stay tuned for complete coverage of today's Fed decision on a special edition of Bloomberg Surveillance. It all begins at 1.30 p.m. Wall Street time on Bloomberg Radio and Television. Well, Karen, that Fed decision comes after a key gauge of consumer prices posted its smallest gain in more than a year, and that fueled a surge in stocks at yesterday's opening bell. The S&P 500 rose as much as 2.8% before pairing those gains to close higher by three-quarters of 1%. Gargi Chowdhury is BlackRock's head of iShares Investment Strategy. Policy is working. Everything that the Fed has been doing, as difficult as that has been for the markets, what the inflation data today shows us, that it is it is going in the right direction. BlackRock's Gargi Chowdhury notes that overall CPI increased one-tenth of a percent from the prior month, bringing inflation to an annual rate of 7.1%. Well, Nathan, inflation is also front and center in the U.K. with fresh data ahead of tomorrow's Bank of England decision. And let's go live to London and get the latest with Bloomberg's Ewan Potts. Ewan, good morning. Good morning, Karen and Nathan. Another of the world's biggest <coughs> economies is seeing a softening of inflation. Consumer prices in the U.K. rose 10.7% in November from a year earlier. That was down from 11.1% in the previous month and lower than forecasts. The data will be studied by the Bank of England ahead of their rate decision tomorrow. But with inflation more than five times over target, no one is yet calling victory in this particular battle. In London, I'm Ewan Potts, Bloomberg Daybreak. Okay, Ewan, thanks. Let's turn now to the latest developments on Sam Bankman-Fried, the FTX co-founder. He plans to fight extradition to the U.S. Bloomberg's Steve Rappaport joins us live with the details. Good morning, Steve. Good morning, Nathan and Karen. Bringing Sam Bankman-Fried home from the Caribbean might require help from across the pond. The Bahamas is a British Commonwealth country, and final appeals on extradition are handled by London's Privy Council, a formal body of advisors to the sovereign of the UK. While announcing the charges, federal prosecutor Damian Williams had a warning for anyone who may have helped Bankman Freed. I would strongly encourage you to come see us before we come see you. If history is an indicator, Bankman Freed may have bought plenty of time. Eight men facing drug charges in the U.S. fought extradition from the Bahamas for more than a decade. Live in New York, I'm Steve Rappaport, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Steve, thanks. Well, another round of hearings on the FTX collapse is coming up today in the Senate. New FTX CEO John Ray testified yesterday before the House Financial Services Committee. Republican Committee member Andy Barr joined us to give his takeaway on the hearing. There was uh, absolute concentration of control uh, of this business and these various businesses in the hands of a very small group of, in in his words, grossly inexperienced and unsophisticated individuals. We also spoke with the Democratic committee member Brad Sherman, who says Sam Bankman-Fried's downfall points to a need for more crypto regulation. When you're dealing with an enterprise, the whole purpose of which is to come up with a currency system that allows you to evade American financial law, Congressman Bradshaw. You're going to be dealing with people who are going to evade American financial law. 
Congressman Brad Sherman and Andy Barr were guests on Bloomberg Sound. I'm with Joe Matthew. Catch the program weekdays at 5 p.m. Eastern on Bloomberg Radio. All right, let's turn to geopolitical news this morning, Karen. We are seeing rising tensions between the world's two economic superpowers. The Biden administration will put China's leading maker of memory chips and more than 30 other Chinese companies on its trade blacklist. That would prevent them from buying certain American technology. S&P futures down a point, Dow futures up a point, NASDAQ futures lower by eight points ahead of the Fed decision today. Local headlines and a check of sports next. This is Bloomberg. It's now 5.07 on Wall Street. We're 31 degrees in Central Park. It's going to stay sunny and chilly again today. Highs only near 40, down to the low 30s tonight. Amy Morris is here with more on what's going on in New York and around the world. Good morning, Amy. Good morning, Nathan. A three-alarm fire has led to the partial collapse of a New York Police Department evidence center in Brooklyn. The fire was first reported by police department contractors working inside the auto pound. Acting Chief Jeffrey Madry says the workers saw the flames on one of the evidence shelves and called for help. They saw the fire. They alerted the police department personnel inside. Everyone backed out. FD was alerted. Fire officials say everything inside the facility has either been lost or damaged, and that fire is expected to continue burning for days. President Biden has signed the historic Respect for Marriage Act, cementing federal protections for same-sex and interracial marriages into law. Who do you love? And will you be loyal to that person you love? It's not more complicated than that. The law recognizes that everyone should have the right to answer those questions for themselves without the government interference. President Biden says the law requires interracial marriage and same-sex marriage be recognized as legal in every state. Now, we told you yesterday New York is encouraging people to mask up, but New Jersey won't be putting a mask mandate in place. Well, now we're learning Connecticut Governor Ned Lamont also says there's no need at this point for a mandate. The Hartford Current reports Lamont says he sees no immediate concerns, but he says you should wear a mask if you're showing any symptoms and you should get a booster if you haven't yet. The chief epidemiologist at Hartford Healthcare, however, says you should wear a mask indoors as flu and COVID cases rise. Looks like we are going to get some more snow later in the week, mostly rain with light snow in some areas, most of that well inland. It's going to be kind of gusty wind, too. That could make for a nasty Friday morning commute. Global News 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Amy Morris. This is Bloomberg, Nathan. All right, Amy Morris, thank you. 509 on Wall Street. Time for the Bloomberg Sports Update brought to you by Tri-State Audi. Good morning, John Stashauer. Good morning, Nathan. Another example of a baseball player who turned down a contract offer, hit free agency, and made a ton more money. That happened with Aaron Judds, Andrew Bogarts, and now... Carlos Correa, Houston offered him five years, $160 million. Correa just signed with San Francisco. 13 years, $350 million between Correa, Bogarts, and Trey Turner. Three shortstops just signed contracts worth $930 million. The Devils last month had that 13-game winning streak, have now lost their last three, beaten home by Dallas 4-1. to The Islanders lost in Boston 4-3 in a shootout. Washington in Chicago and a milestone goal. Another turnover in front and Mantha feeding it to Kuznetsov and Morazic diving. A shot! They score! And it's Alex Ovechkin! And it's 800 goals in the National Hockey League! They have-
JFK. The call. Two more goals. And Ovechkin passes Gordy Howe for second all-time. He's still going strong at age 37. He had a hat-trick last night. We'll see if Ovechkin can break a record that most felt was unreachable. Wayne Gretzky's 894 career goals. NBA Celtics beat the Lakers in overtime. Utah ended New Orleans' seven-game winning streak. Battle of the last two champs. Milwaukee beat Golden State. The Knicks play tonight in Chicago at the World Cup. It's defending champ France and Cinderella Morocco. The winner plays Argentina in Sunday's final. Mississippi State is going to play its bowl game. The school saying that's what Coach Mike Leach would have wanted. Leach just passed away at 61. Leach was a true football innovator and a true character. John Stashauer, Bloomberg Sports. Nathan? Thank you, John. Bloomberg Sports was brought to you by Audi. Don't let someone else drive off in the Audi model. You've always wanted. Visit your local Tri-State Audi dealer to get behind the wheel of yours today or visit AudiOffers.com for more information. Markets in a kind of wait-and-see mode ahead of the Federal Reserve decision later on this afternoon. We have S&P futures right now down one point. Dow futures down three. NASDAQ futures lower by eight points. That is little change to the downside across the board. Ten-year treasuries little changed as well. The yield on the benchmark 10-year note, 3.5%, and the yield on the two-year is 4.18%. NYMEX crude up seven-tenths percent, $75.89 a barrel. COMEX gold down three-tenths percent, 18.19.30 an ounce. The euro, 1.0667 against the dollar. The yen trading at the moment at 135.03. This is Bloomberg. It's now 512 on Wall Street. You're listening to Bloomberg Daybreak on Fed Decision Day, the final policy move of 2022 comes our way 2 p.m. Wall Street time. Ahead of it, we are very pleased to be joined by Jennifer Lee, senior economist at BMO Capital Markets. Jen, are we going to get anything other than 50 basis points? It seems like that's pretty well baked into this market. Oh, good morning. You know what? Um, we have been uh, we're sticking with our 50 basis point move and uh, our our call, and certainly yesterday's uh, CPI report, which. Uh, um, wow, like <laughs> that was the only word I could think of was wow after that, uh, seeing that headline 0.1% increase, uh, much better than expected. Uh, will certainly help solidify what he hinted at a couple of weeks ago, so I think we should all sort of get ready to hear an updated version of that phrase. It's time to start moderating the pace of rate hikes, and that's uh, probably what he's going to say again this afternoon. But I would be very cautious to, you know, to, to expect anything too dovish. You know, it would be very much of an abrupt shift if he uh, changes his uh, his his views uh, on this one number. So you're not expecting that the Fed chairman is going to say, wow, the way you did uh, <laughs> to that CPI report. Is that what I'm hearing from you? Um, I think he will, you know, be optimistic. You know, you know, they already said that about the October uh, CPI and uh, hearing two, you know, having two modest uh, uh, increases in a row is, is encouraging. But uh, his key phrase was um, uh, was that he needed substantially more evidence. <clears throat> Excuse me, I remember he said that just that that, that uh, on November 30th was that he would take substantially more evidence to give them comfort that inflation is actually declining. Now, whether two two months is enough. Um, I highly, highly doubt it. Um, but, you know, certainly this is a step in the right direction. Are you expecting any major changes then to the language in the FOMC statement? Any idea that we could uh, uh, see a little bit more explicit thought from the Fed on whether they're going to uh, take their foot off the gas even further from uh, policy tightening? I think they're going to continue, you know, to to be cautious um, because it's, it's just, again, I still think it's too early uh, to, to call the all clear 
on, on inflation, but at least he will, he'll probably emphasize the point that rates will still need to be higher. Um, higher than they had expected, you know, some time ago. So even though they're going to be moderating the pace of rate hikes, you know, instead of 75, you know, we're, we're finally getting 50. And we have to remember 50 is still quite a bit as well. Um, but at least the, the, the pace is starting to modest to moderately, uh, slow, but they'll probably stay higher for longer. Be, and then they would need a lot more evidence before they're comfortable and to start to, to at least stop raising rates and then at some point. Uh, cutting rates, but I don't think that's going to be part of the language or part of the, the vocabulary just yet. What do you think we'll get from the uh, Fed's uh, economic projections, and how much stock do you put in those projections, given how difficult it really has been to forecast this economy this year? Oh, I take it with a huge fistful of salt. I mean, and you know, it's 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 not a criticism. It's just as you just pointed out. I mean, it's so difficult to make accurate calls these days. And you know, I don't think anyone was calling for such a modest CPI number, for example. But I think they're going to probably, um, you know, um, um, lower the. I wouldn't be surprised if they lower the the GDP forecast a little bit as well. But certainly, I, I will I will say this. You know, that soft landing sort of shallow downturn call, you know, is, is looking better and better. And we might see some of that playing out in the forecast um, this afternoon. Of course, uh, one big vexing issue for this Fed has been the ongoing tightness in the labor market and the concern that uh, wage pressures will continue to feed into inflation. What do you think the Fed's going to say about where unemployment needs to go to really tackle uh, price pressures? So that is one area of which he hasn't really changed his tune too much. He continues to call the labor market very, very tight, and it is. You know, we're still seeing very, uh, very solid uh, job increases on a month-to-month basis. Uh, but the fact that job vacancies have have, have been ticking lower um, is good news for them. And this is all go, going back to the whole how I've been saying that you know, good is bad and bad is good. Mm. You know, so they will continue to to point to the labor market, and they, you know, and he's actually been sort of tweaking it. A, actually, I, I, should, I was saying corrected. He tweaked it a little bit by saying that you know, it's um, that it needs to come down a lot more, and uh, you know, before they can start uh, breathing a little bit easier as well. And so far, we're not seeing that, and uh, it's going to be some time, I think, before. Um, you know, we, we see um, some of the wage pressures ease a little bit. Now, the, the, the NFIB survey, I think, uh, earlier this, uh, this week did show that there was a smaller share of, fir- of firms planning to raise worker comp in the next uh, few months. So that's, you know, that is a step also in the right inflationary direction. Our last 30 seconds here, I'll put you on the spot a little bit. When do you see inflation getting back to target? Oh, it's going to take a few years. I think, you know, we've, we still have, you know, uh, excess demand, I guess, and of course this whole labor market tightness is not going to play out. Uh, it is not helping the inflation story uh, um, um, hand over fist, I guess, but we're, we're going to see, we're starting to see obviously inflation coming down, but getting back toward the 2%-ish range is probably something in, in a late 2023, early 2024 story. Thanks as always, Jen. Great getting your thoughts. Jennifer Lee, Senior Economist, BMO Capital Markets, ahead of the final Fed decision of the year. 2 p.m. Wall Street time. We'll find out where the Fed puts rates and, of course, the news conference from Chairman Powell coming up at 2.30. We will have it all covered for you on a special edition of Bloomberg Surveillance. Begins at 1.30 p.m. Wall Street time. You can catch it all on both Bloomberg Radio and Bloomberg Television. Ahead of it. S&P futures, little change. Dow futures up five points. NASDAQ futures down 10. This is Bloomberg. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business App, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. 
And I'm Karen Moscow. And futures are little change this morning as we await the Federal Reserve interest rate decision. And the 10-year Treasury is up 3.30 seconds, yield 3.49%. The yield on the two-year, 4.18%. And IMEX crude oil is up three-quarters of a percent, or 57 cents, at $75.96 a barrel. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's Amy Morris with more on what's going on around the world. Amy. Thank you, Karen. Lawmakers have hammered out a deal on a framework to fund the government this fiscal year, putting Congress on track to avert a shutdown. The House Select Committee investigating last year's attack on the U.S. Capitol will hold its final session on Monday. They plan to vote on criminal referrals. In sports in the NHL, Alex Ovechkin reaches 800 career goals. Caps win, Devils lose, Islanders beat the Bruins, and in the NBA, the Celtics win, the Warriors lost. Global News 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg. Quick take powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Amy Morris. This is Bloomberg. Nathan. Okay, Amy. Thank you. We're coming up to 523 on Wall Street. I'm Nathan Hager. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. The collapse of FTX and the arrest of its co-founder, Sam Bankman-Fried, have raised questions about what comes next for crypto regulation. The new CEO of FTX, John Ray, testified before the House Financial Services Committee yesterday on the company's finances. After that hearing, our Washington correspondent Joe Matthew spoke with one of the members of the committee, Republican Andy Barr. Let's listen into that conversation now. Pretty remarkable testimony today uh, from John Ray. Did you learn anything new? I I think we did. We knew this was a huge scandal. We knew that this was uh, uh, one of the greatest frauds in American investment history. But what we learned was uh, that this was a total and complete failure of all internal controls and governance. As uh, the new CEO, Mr. Ray, pointed out, uh, there was uh, absolute concentration of control uh, of this business and these various businesses in the hands of a very small group of, in his, in his words, grossly inexperienced and unsophisticated individuals hmm. who, who failed to implement virtually any of the systems or controls necessary for a company that is entrusted with other people's assets. Yeah. And, um, you know, the result is a million creditors. And if you think of some of the other scandals in American business history, Enron, the accounting scandal, or uh, the the Bernie Madoff scandal, uh, you, you know, you you had a number of individuals uh, hurt, uh, but the size and scale of uh, the the victims of this uh, fraud uh, are enormous and really overshadow those those other scandals. Well, you brought up this lack of accounting, if if I can even use that term, in your exchange with John Ray today. Let's listen. There's a whole lot of uh, financial statements that are either not audited or not available. Is that fair to say? That's that's fair to say. Um, in your declaration, you stated that you did not believe that those audited financial statements were reliable. Can you elaborate on why you believe that to be the case? Well, we've lost $8 billion right, of customer money. So by definition, uh, I don't trust a single piece of paper in this organization. Are you surprised, Congressman, by how little John Ray knows after a couple of weeks of, of investigating and how little he trusts still at this point? Well, no, because this was an unprecedented case of mismanagement and fraud where there was a gross lack of documentation, yeah. um, but both in terms of you know a lack of financial statements to begin with and, and then the financial statements that are available and that were audited, uh, he doesn't have uh, confidence that they are reliable. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think the, 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 the major point that he was making uh, was that um, – 
there's there's simply a lack of documentation, utter lack of record keeping was what he said, and 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 no internal controls, um, and and the fact that there was so much commingling of assets uh, and use of customer funds yeah. for um, risky trading, uh, and also um, for you know diversion to uh, things like the FTX Foundation, which was not core to the business. Uh, the various affiliates of the FTX Foundation. Uh, there again, this was a man, uh, Sam Bankman-Fried, who basically stole money from unwitting investors and diverted it into risky trading or other uh, political or charitable causes uh, that resulted in massive losses for those investors. And that was Republican House Financial Services Committee member Andy Barr speaking with our Washington correspondent Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Sound On. You can catch the show weekdays at 5 p.m. Wall Street time on Bloomberg Radio. Stick with us for more on the hearing. Next hour, we'll bring you Joe's conversation with Democratic Congressman Brad Sherman, who also sits on the Financial Services Committee. Bloomberg Daybreak is brought to you by SEI. Imagine your asset management firm's operational infrastructure as a competitive advantage. Let SEI show you how at SEIC.com slash IMS. Looking ahead to the Fed decision and the market open this morning. Futures aren't showing a whole lot of movement. S&P futures are higher, but by just two points. Dow futures up 22. NASDAQ futures on the rise by three points. Ten-year treasuries up 230 seconds now. The yield 3.49%. We'll get you your top stories and local headlines coming up first. Bloomberg meteorologist Rob Carolyn with the weather forecast. High pressure has control of the pattern for today. We'll have sunshine this morning. We'll notice some high cloudiness moving in from the west and southwest this afternoon. Highs will be up around 40. It'll become cloudy overnight, lows 30 to 35. Rain arrives tomorrow afternoon well inland. It may start as some wet snow, highs near 45. Rainy, breezy Friday, 45 to 50 for the high. I'm Rob Carolyn with your three-day forecast on Bloomberg 1130. Broadcasting live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studio in New York. Bloomberg 1130. To Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 991. To Boston. Bloomberg 1061. To San Francisco. Bloomberg 960. To the country. Sirius XM Channel 119. And around the globe. The Bloomberg Business App and BloombergRadio.com. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. Coming up to 5.30 on Wall Street, good morning. I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow, and we're just about four hours away from the open of U.S. trading. Let's get you up to date on the news you need to know at this hour. A big week for critical economic events continues today with the Federal Reserve's final interest rate decision of the year. Influential economist and Stanford University professor John Taylor says the central bank cannot afford to pause hikes too quickly. The Fed got well behind the curve in the 70s, and we don't want to have that situation. The inflation rate increase has been over a shorter period of time. It's maybe 18 months. So we can do this if the Fed is determined, if the people are supportive of the Fed, if they realize this is the best way to get the inflation down. It's not by waiting and dilly-dallying. It's really by taking the action right now. Stanford professor John Taylor says the central bank's next steps depend on the path of economic data. Stay tuned for complete coverage of today's Fed decision on a special edition of Bloomberg Surveillance. It all begins at 1.30 p.m. Wall Street time on Bloomberg Radio and Television. Well, that Fed decision, Karen, comes after stocks got a boost from yesterday's consumer price reading, a key gauge of inflation posted its smallest monthly advance in more than a year. But Catherine Kaminsky, chief research strategist with Alpha Simplex, says traders should expect more bumps ahead. 
people are really anticipating that this will disappear a lot quicker than, say, the Fed is really willing to act. They still have to figure out how to deal with such a big difference between their desired inflation number and where we already are. Catherine Kaminsky with Alpha Simplex says she is closely watching Next Step's Jay Powell outlines in today's news conference. Well, now, Nathan, we move to the latest on disgraced FTX co-founder Sam Bankman-Fried. We're learning he plans to fight extradition to the U.S. And Bloomberg Steve Rappaport joins us live with more. Steve, good morning. Good morning, Karen and Nathan. U.S. authorities can lobby the Bahamian government all they want to hand Bankman-Fried over, but a group of advisors in London has the final say. That's because the island is a British commonwealth, potentially tying up the case for years if Bankman-Fried takes his fight all the way to the Privy Council. Meantime, a Bahamian judge denied Bankman-Fried's request for bail, deeming him a flight risk. An extradition hearing is scheduled for February 8th. Live in New York, I'm Steve Rappaport, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Steve, thank you. On a political note this morning, the Biden administration's ramping up tensions with China, planning to put China's leading maker of memory chips and more than 30 other companies on its trade blacklist. That would prevent them from buying certain American technology. All right, let's get you up to date on how stocks are faring this morning. S&P futures are higher, up a tenth of a percent. They're up three points. And Dow futures also up almost a tenth of a percent, or 29 points. NASDAQ futures up about the same, up nine points. Ten-year Treasury up 3.30 seconds. The yield 3.49 percent. And the yield on the two-year 4.17 percent. And NYMEX crude oil is up 1.1 percent of 82 cents. It's $76.21 a barrel. Straight ahead, your latest local headlines, plus a check of sports. And this is Bloomberg. All right, Karen, thanks. It's 531 on Wall Street. And Amy Morris is here with a look at what's going on in New York and around the world. Amy, good morning. Good morning, Nathan. A New York Police Department evidence center in a warehouse in Brooklyn has partially collapsed after a three-alarm fire broke out yesterday. Fire Chief John Hodgins says everything inside the facility is either lost or damaged. This building is not really a uh, very sturdy type of building. It's a uh, metal building with truss construction, which has a large uh, collapse potential, which is why we backed our members out of the building. The fire is expected to keep burning for days. Lawmakers have hammered out a deal on a framework to fund the government this fiscal year. Senate Republican Leader Mitch McConnell says they have to be done by December 22nd. We intend not to be back here between Christmas and New Year's. And if we can't meet that deadline, we'd be happy to pass the short-term CR into uh, early next year. McConnell says a short-term bill is the most likely solution and that lawmakers will likely take up an omnibus spending bill in the new year. Advocates calling on a federal judge to immediately pause New York City's initiative to involuntarily hospitalize those suffering from mental health episodes. Miranda Van Dalen with New York Lawyers for Public Interest says the mayor's plan is unconstitutional and violates the Americans with Disabilities Act. People are now scared to leave their homes because they think that they may get picked up by the police and involuntarily uh, transported to a hospital for psychiatric evaluation. New York Mayor Adams says it's not a police-led initiative and officers are being trained on who would meet the criteria. Sandy Hook school massacre took place 10 years ago today. 20 children and six adults were killed. In June, President Biden signed a law into, into law, a landmark gun legislation package bolstering mental health programs. Global news 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Amy Morris. This is Bloomberg Nathan. Thanks, Amy.
533 on Wall Street. Time for the Bloomberg Sports Update brought to you by Tri-State Audi. Here's John Stanshower. All right, Nathan. It's great to be a free agent shortstop. Three of them just signed contracts worth $930 million. First, it was Trey Turner to the Phillies and then Xander Bogars to San Diego. Carlos Correa headed to the San Francisco Giants. 13 years, $350 million. The Giants using money they had originally hoped to use on Aaron Judge. The Yankees remain quiet other than keeping Judge. On the ice, Devils cooling off. Lost at home to Dallas 4-1, their third straight loss. Islanders in Boston where the Bruins have only lost once all season. The Bruins won 4-3 in a shootout. Hat trick for Alex Ovechkin in Washington's win. The last of the three was career goal number 800. Knicks go for a fifth straight win tonight in Chicago. Morocco has made it to the World Cup semifinals by allowing only one goal in five games. That was an own goal put in by their own player. They've already upset Spain and Portugal today. Morocco takes on defending champion France. The winner faces Argentina in Sunday's final. Sunday night, huge game for the Giants in Washington. They just had that tie with the Commanders, so the two teams are tied in the standings. Brian Dayball's team winless in the last four games. It's a long season. There's quite a bit of adversity throughout it. Maybe it's, you know, for some teams it's in the beginning, for some teams it's in the middle, for other teams that's the end. You know, we're going through a little bit of it right now, and I think it's important to stay consistent, um, do the things that you need to do to try to win games. Washington, only one loss in the last eight games. Jets Sunday host Detroit. The Lions have won five of the last six. John Stashower, Bloomberg Sports. Nathan? Thanks, John. Bloomberg Sports brought to you by Audi. Don't let someone else drive off in the Audi model you've always wanted. Visit your local tri-state Audi dealer to get behind the wheel of yours today or visit AudiOffers.com for more information. 535 on Wall Street. Time for the Tri-State Business Report. Here with that, Bloomberg Zed Corey. Commuters are spending more time on buses, trains, and metros as people travel longer distances between work and home and continue to avoid rush hour crowds in the wake of the pandemic. The average commute increased by four minutes in New York City, as well as Toronto and Milan this year compared to 2020. Bausch Health Investors lost a legal fight to block the planned spinoff of its eye care business, which they alleged was an improper shifting of assets to protect the company from lawsuits. A Superior Court judge in Somerset County, New Jersey, ruled it would not be proper to intervene because the spinoff was not imminent. New York is getting closer to welcoming a new high-end skyscraper. CoStar reports one Madison Avenue from Manhattan's biggest office landlord, SL Green Realty, celebrated its topping out on Tuesday. The building, which broke ground back in 2020, has landed tech giant IBM as an anchored tenant. That's your Bloomberg Tri-State Business Report. I'm Ed Corey. Thank you, Ed. It is 536 on Wall Street. The following is an editorial from Bloomberg Opinion. This editorial was written by the Bloomberg Editorial Board. Is the age of nuclear fusion finally dawning? After decades of research, scientists have been making serious progress. This week came news of the latest milestone. Scientists in California recently induced a fusion reaction that produced a net energy gain. In other words, it generated more power than it consumed. Net gain has been the elusive lodestar of fusion research since the 1950s. Realizing it should give a major boost to global research efforts and offer a tantalizing glimpse of fusion's real-world possibilities. As the science advances, global cooperation will be essential. And above all, governments must avoid the sort of red tape that has needlessly held up traditional fission projects. Unlocking the power of the stars will be no easy feat. This editorial was written by the Bloomberg Editorial Board. 
For more Bloomberg Opinion, please go to Bloomberg.com slash opinion or OPIN Go on the Bloomberg Terminal. This has been Bloomberg Opinion. And you can hear Bloomberg Opinion editorials every weekday at this time. Terminal customers can read more at OPIN Go. It is 537 on Wall Street. We've been telling you about the U.S. adding more than 30 Chinese companies to its trade blacklist. Well, Bloomberg News has also learned that Chinese leaders are planning to proceed with a closely watched economic policy meeting in Beijing tomorrow. That comes as COVID infections continue to surge across the Chinese capital. Senior Chinese officials meet every December to plot out economic policy for the coming year. It's now 538 on Wall Street. Straight ahead on Daybreak, we'll get you the latest on the FTX saga as Sam Bankman-Fried apparently plans to fight extradition from the Bahamas. We will get the update for you next from Bloomberg Cross-Asset Editor Joanna Ossinger. This is Bloomberg. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business App, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. I'm Karen Moscow. This update brought to you by SCI. Asset managers don't get results that are off the charts when their solutions are off the shelf. Learn how SCI's operating platform can turn infrastructure into a competitive advantage at SCIC.com slash tech. U.S. stock index futures are little changed this morning. Investors debating whether inflation has eased enough to encourage the Federal Reserve to slow monetary tightening. We check the markets all day long right here on Bloomberg. S&P futures again little change and so are Dow and NASDAQ. Futures. The DAX in Germany is down seven tenths of a percent. Ten-year Treasury up three thirty seconds, yield three point four nine percent. The yield on the two-year four point one seven percent. Nymex crude oil is up one point one percent, up seventy-seven cents at seventy-six dollars sixteen cents a barrel. Comex gold down three tenths percent, or five dollars seventy cents at eighteen nineteen seventy an ounce. The euro one point zero six five eight against the dollar. British pound one point two three nine two. The yen is at one thirty four point seven five, and Bitcoin this morning up a third of a percent at $17,800. And that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's Amy Morris with more on what's going on around the world. Amy. Thank you, Karen. The White House asking Congress for resources to help mitigate an influx of migrants crossing the U.S.-Mexico border. Democrats want to work with Republicans on bipartisan immigration reform as the Title 42 policy is set to end in a week. A new report from the CDC says long COVID played a part in more than 3,500 deaths in the U.S., most who died from long COVID were older white men. In sports in the NHL, Alex Ovechkin reaches 800 career goals as the Caps won. The Devils lost. The Bruins beat the Islanders. In the NBA, the Celtics win and the Warriors lose. Global News 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Amy Morris. This is Bloomberg. Nathan. Thank you, Amy. It is 542 on Wall Street. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. I'm Nathan Hager alongside Karen Moscow. Let's look at some of the other stories making news this morning. Apple is preparing to allow alternative app stores on its iPhones and iPads. We get that story from Bloomberg's Charlie Pellet. It is part of a sweeping overhaul aimed at complying with strict European Union requirements coming in 2024. Sources say software engineering and services employees are engaged in a major push to open up key elements of Apple's platforms. As part of the changes, customers could ultimately download third-party software to their iPhones and iPads without using the company's app store, sidestepping Apple's restrictions and the up to 30% 
1% commission it imposes on payments. In New York, Charlie Pellet, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Charlie, thanks. Well, Elon Musk reportedly is taking drastic steps to cut costs at Twitter. According to the New York Times, Twitter has not paid rent for its San Francisco headquarters or any of its global offices for weeks. It's also considering not paying severance packages and has refused to pay an almost 200000 bill for charter flights the week of Musk's takeover. Well, this isn't the kind of cut that Elon Musk might like to see, Karen. He is no longer the world's richest person on the Bloomberg Billionaires Index. Elon Musk has been displaced by Bernard Arnault, who owns almost 50% of the French luxury giant LVMH. According to the Billionaire's Index, Musk has seen his fortune tumble by more than $100 billion since January. The Tesla, Twitter, and SpaceX boss is now worth just under $164 billion, enough to put him in second place now. And Tesla's stock is down more than 50% this year. Now to another story we're watching this morning, the case against Sam Bankman-Fried, a story we're no doubt going to be following for weeks, if not months to come. Federal prosecutors and regulators are laying out fraud allegations against the FTX founder as Bankman-Fried indicates he will fight extradition from the Bahamas. Let's get the latest live now from Bloomberg News Cross Asset Editor Joanna Ossinger, who's been following it from the get-go. Joanna, good morning. Uh, since last we spoke, we got the eight-count indictment from federal prosecutors. What more does it tell us about the scheme Sam Bankman-Fried is accused of running? Well, Nathan, it tells us that this is pretty wide-ranging. I mean, we have the civil charges from the Securities and Exchange Commission. The federal, the criminal charges are now wire fraud, conspiracy to commit securities fraud, and then there are other counts for allegedly misappropriating billions of dollars in customer funds for personal use and risky bets by Alameda Research. So this is a pretty wide-ranging case. Again, it, it looks like it, it's been done with such a speed that they may feel like they have very strong evidence. And then, of course, there are even the Commodity Futures Trading Commission uh, charges as well. So there's a lot coming at Sam Bankman-Fried right now. And it's um, it's on a variety of fronts. Oh, how do prosecutors uh, allege that the arrangement worked between FTX and the uh, Alameda Research trading arm? What's the uh, what's the potential for criminality that prosecutors are looking at here? Well, they're looking at a lot of things just regarding favored status and where the money flows went, where they might not have really where it might not have been legal, like. Was money used for Alameda that should have been squirreled away for FTX, for instance. There is also a little interesting factoid that Alameda was getting a split-second advantage in trading on FTX, which some people had suspected, but FTX had long denied. So there are a number of things coming out about just this close relationship and the use of funds and the use of uh, just the whole apparatus that may be uh, that may have been illegal. Now, when you think about uh, the uh, uh, implications for algorithmic trading, when you uh, think about uh, milliseconds uh, being like years for for that kind of trading, I mean, what does that exactly. say about uh, the the, uh, uh, the the kind of scheme that uh, Sam Bankman-Fried was accused of doing here? Yeah, well, it, as you say, it's every little bit counts, and so if you have an edge, even if milliseconds there. If there's some little thing in the operations or an algorithm that could give an advantage in one way or the other to Alameda that could have given them a huge advantage 
as opposed to the other participants in the system. And that does seem like it's what people are looking at, what prosecutors are looking at. Now, on top of the prosecutions, the potential uh, regulatory uh, complaints as well. Uh, we've got hearings uh, still going on on Capitol Hill in Washington, D.C., and some really uh, blunt testimony from the new CEO of FTX. What were some of your takeaways from what John Ray had to say? Well, a lot of it isn't too surprising, Nathan, right? He's saying that probably they won't be able to recoup all of customer funds. But I did think it was interesting, too, that he said they might be able to get more from the U.S. arm. There had been some speculation about exactly how much FTX U.S. customers might get versus FTX overall. But it looks like FTX U.S. might be able to find some money here or there, so might do a little bit better. But in general, it seems like he's still saying, look, there's, there won't necessarily be a lot if you're you know, a customer or an investor for at the end of this. Now, we have uh, Sam Bankman-Fried uh, still in custody in the Bahamas awaiting his next extradition hearing, uh, I guess, in a couple of months here. Uh, it seems as though he's going to be uh, fighting extradition. In our last minute here, uh, what are the chances that uh, Sam Bankman-Fried returns to the U.S. anytime soon? Well, it's tough to know chances, right, because there are so many variables from, you know, the the judge and the hearing to what the different countries decide to to choose or their strategy. But he is fighting it, which is interesting because from comments he had made before, um, he had said he wanted to help out and everything. But it could be months now. It could be years and some of that may depend on what the Bahamas want to do. The U.S. does appear to want to get him back as soon as possible, but um, it's looking like, as you said, it'll be at least a couple months until that initial hearing and then um, could be much longer from there. So it could take a while. Yeah, we've seen some other high-profile figures fight extradition from uh, U.K. itself and its uh, uh, Commonwealth. Uh, I think of Julian Assange in particular. That's an extradition process that literally took years. So it's a possibility we could be following this uh, really for quite some time. Thanks, as always, Bloomberg News cross-asset editor Joanna Ossinger following the uh, FTX saga and Sam Bankman-Fried for us this morning. S&P futures right now down one point. Dow futures down six. And NASDAQ futures are lower by 13 points. Ten-year Treasury is up one thirty-second. The yield 3.49%. Bitcoins trading higher by three-tenths percent right now, right around 17,800. All this ahead of a Fed decision this afternoon. You're listening to Bloomberg Daybreak. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business app, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow in U.S. Stock Index Futures. They are little changed this morning. Investors debating whether inflation has eased enough to encourage the Fed to slow monetary tightening. We check the markets all day long here at Bloomberg. And S&P and Dow futures are little changed. So are NASDAQ futures. The DAX in Germany is down about three quarters of a percent. Ten-year Treasury up 132nd, yield 3.49 percent. The yield on the two-year, 4.18 percent. And NYMEX crude oil is up nine-tenths percent or 66 cents at $76.05 a barrel.
And that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Nathan. Okay, Karen, thanks for coming up to 556 on Wall Street. It's time for our daily Bloomberg Law Brief, exploring legal issues in the news. Today, we look at Indiana, which has filed two novel lawsuits against TikTok. They claim the Chinese-owned social media platform misleads consumers by exposing children to inappropriate content and allowing China access to their data. Now, this is the first time a state has sued TikTok, even though the federal government's been fighting to ban the app or reduce its affiliations with China. For more, Bloomberg's June Grasso speaks with Fred Tate. He is a law professor at Indiana University who just so happens to specialize in information privacy. The Indiana Attorney General is claiming that TikTok misleads consumers, parents, about the age-appropriateness of its content. Right. One lawsuit is claiming exactly what you said. And what they're really saying is that TikTok is not behaving consistent with the requirements of the Apple Store and the Android Store so that their labeling of their app in terms of its age appropriateness is not accurate. And so the legal claim there is that they're misleading Apple and Android, but that the effect is to mislead parents and, you know, people in Indiana. And then the other claim is that TikTok is claiming that it does not share data, customer data, with the Chinese government, and the attorney general is alleging that they do. Now, that's not illegal to share information with the government. Lots of social media sites share information with the government, including with the U.S. government. The argument would be that it's a fraud to say you're not sharing when, in fact, you are sharing. Is it going to be difficult to prove that TikTok is not describing accurately the appropriateness of its app for children? Because whether there's enough notification or whether it's misleading, could that be in the eye of the beholder? It will be very complicated to prove because, first of all, it's not enough to just say it's misleading. But generally, you would have to show that it's misleading and that it's material, that it's misleading in a way that consumers would care about, and then that it's either not easily detected or not easily avoided. Because, you know, sometimes if you're misled about something, but if you just open your eyes, you can see that it's not the way it was laid out to be then it's okay. So they're going to have to show a lot of things. And a a related issue is, is it a pattern of this? Or, I mean, really all filters let something through that somebody doesn't like. And so that's not going to be enough to just show, hey, you know, my 10-year-old son got something on TikTok that was inappropriate. You're going to have to show that this is a regular pattern and that TikTok knows about it or isn't acting reasonably to prevent it. And I think that will actually be very hard to show because, you know, anyone who uses the Internet knows, first of all, that offense is often in the eye of the beholder. And second of all, that even the best filters, the best design filters are easily evaded. That's Indiana University law professor Fred Kate speaking with Bloomberg's June Grosso. You can catch more of that interview plus analysis of the latest legal news by subscribing to the Bloomberg Law Podcast or downloading the show at Bloomberg.com slash podcasts. And attorneys can find exceptional legal research and business development tools at BloombergLaw.com and on the Bloomberg Terminal at BlawGo. Looking ahead to the market open and this afternoon's Fed decision, the final policy decision of 2022. 
Futures are little changed. S&P futures unchanged right now. Dow futures up nine points. NASDAQ futures down five. Ten-year treasury up one thirty-second, yield 3.49%. We check the business headlines. All the news you need to start your day. Hour two of Bloomberg Daybreak starts now. Hi, everyone. I'm Paul Anka. And I'm Skip Bronson. And what happens when two old friends take their decades of experience in the business and entertainment worlds and sit down with our buddies? You get Our Way, a brand new show from My Heart Podcast, where we chop it up with our pals about everything under the sun. This is our podcast, and we're going to do it our way. Listen to Our Way on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.